Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the HP Podcast. I'm Ben and with me here today is Dave. Howdy. Affectionately known as Davey Wavy Baby Davey. That's new, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it. There's a, there's a couple more syllables in that one, but I'll take it. Sure. Yeah, I just mix it up, however. I mean, anything that has an a E at the end, like a Davy wavy, baby, you know. Davy's gravy. Holy shit. That's hey, next week. Was that, was that, was that possessive? Uh, no, in, it was. Are you referring to my gravy or I am gravy? It was an adjective. The yeah. wavy oh. gravy. Yeah. It could be a verb, too, if you really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and the most glorious ginger, Brandon. Hello, hello. I'm sorry I don't have any cool names for That's you. That's okay. I know you're probably really jealous because of how cool that name was for Dave. It was anywhere where there's gravy in your name, mm-hmm. you know you about to be stanky in a good way. <laughs> Why? Sure. Have you, smelled, have you smelled gravy before? What kind? Just Turkey, give beef, your head a chicken. shake for a second. Just all of it. It smells awful. It tastes delicious, but it smells bad. It's the second worst smelling food in existence. Oh, wow. You might be right. You know, I'm not a big gravy guy. I can take it, but I think the reason I don't like gravy that much is uh, there are multiple reasons. I'm not a big mashed potatoes guy or stuffing, and, and gravy tends to go well with those things. And I just don't. I don't, I'm a consistency guy, and they, and they don't go great. The other thing is, I think growing up, my mom always just like got the canned gravy from the store. Ah, and uh, well, that's about as far as I need to go with that. You don't like meat flavored flour water on your food. <laughs> I mean, I do. Oh, ridiculous! <laughs> ridiculous. Wait, so what the hell is actual gravy made out of? Like flour, real gravy that you make? Water, animal fat, stock. That's it. Well, yeah, so I mean, that's not necessarily different in a can. That's just worse. Yeah, it depends on how <laughs> bad. I've had some pretty bad homemade gravies. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes gravy can be on a new level of tastelessness that I've never thought possible. It's like eating actual flour. So S- sorry, suddenly this this Davy's gravy nickname doesn't seem so flattering. Uh, yeah, we- but. Dave, you are top tier, impeccable gravy. Like, no, yeah, it's Davy's. Like this, in this sense, it is possessive, which means like you have the gravy, and that gravy would be good. It's like having the sauce. It's like the gravy, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. yeah. Dave, are you a mashed potatoes guy? Yeah, I love mashed, but the good mashed potatoes. If they're too starchy, it's it's a terrible experience. But good, creamy mashed potatoes. Don't try to make it healthy. A lot of butter, a lot of salt. Gravy is is 
great. So yeah, as long as it's good, love mashed. Brandon, how how do you feel about the the taters that are mashed? They have to be pretty doctored up, yeah, to interest me. Um, it is quite blasphemous, but I have been known to eat instant mashed potatoes a time or two. Uh-huh. And you know, it's like eating McDonald's. You know, it's not good. You know, what? There's probably something wrong with it. It's probably bad for your body. But sometimes you just eat it. Okay. And that's just life. Yeah. Sometimes you got to make something that looks like nothing into something. I uh, I like the taste of you know good potatoes. Yeah. Mashed potatoes. Just I I have a very I didn't used to, but lately, like any kind of con- weird consistencies just make me, I don't like it. Are you more of a russet potato kind of man or? I will like house whole <laughs> potatoes, but for, don't mash them up and for, put them in my gullet. For the damnedest time, I thought it was a rustic potato. <laughs> and I thought that that actually kind of sounds a little bit better. It makes more sense. Yeah. Maybe that was just me, but. Are russets the red ones? Hell if I know. I just <laughs> know the name. Okay. Good to know. Boys, this is a video game podcast, and you can check out all sorts of conversations about russet potatoes and gravy and Davy's gravy over on our Discord at handsomefandom.com slash Discord. You can also join us on Patreon for ad-free early access, access to the HP After Dark show as well. For as little as, well, you can support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Three dollars will get you access a month early to the uh, HP After Dark show. So check that out if you aren't already. We appreciate it. And thank you for your patronage over there. Gentlemen, let's talk about some news. There's like quite a bit of news this week, but also a lot of it, a lot of stuff dropped right after we finished recording last week. Why does this happen? Well, because if we had waited for it, something else would have dropped. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So the first thing I want to talk about is place. This is the oldest news I think we have. PlayStation VR 2 has been announced as well as an exclusive Horizon VR game. Of course, we have some firsthand info from Sony, but this comes from RespawnStation.com. It says, quote, The PlayStation 5 has been out for over a year now, and Sony is ringing in the new year with details on the latest generation of their virtual reality headset. Along with the system specifications, we also have news about a PlayStation VR 2 exclusive game from Gorilla and Fire Sprite. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's focus on the new system. And here's the details. PlayStation VR 2 features a 4K... HDR OLED display with 2000 by 2040 resolution screens per eye and frame rates of 90 and 120 hertz. Now let's just stop right there. Well, okay, wait, actually, first, remember how the old PSVR needed that stupid headset and you had to, or the, the stupid camera and you had to be in front of it, even though it was from the PS3 and you had to stand there and like it had to track you and um, like there were little glowy things that you held on the end of your hands and all that's going away. Thank God. There's going to be a singular cable that plugs right into the front of your PS5 and brings the game directly to your eyeballs. I like that. So neither of you have a lot of experience with VRs. That's right, right? Correct. Okay. But you've both played. Yeah. Both in this very house that we're in right now. Yeah, I've dabbled. Dabbled a little bit. Does the PSVR 2 excite you at all? Dave, you go first. Uh, no, it doesn't. Um Okay, well, I, moving on. <laughs> I originally played, uh, I had my first VR experience in that very house that you, you mentioned. Um, I most recently had my second VR experience at my sister's house because she bought an Oculus Quest 2. Uh-huh. Um, she was looking for some video gaming to dabble in and she landed on a VR headset. She's having a great time with it, but 
I went over there and I played it for a little bit and it just kind of reinforced that VR is just not something for me. Yeah. Uh, it's fun to pop on for a little bit, but, um, you know, I'll be curious to see how PSVR 2 actually rolls out. Maybe it'll change my mind, but at the moment, it's just the, the whole uh, prospect of VR is just not something that I'm currently interested in. Is there, is it a, do you have like a motion sick thing? You don't like it the way it feels in your head? You don't like being a, like in the world and stuff like that? What do you think of this? There's two big reasons for me the first is yeah after about 20 to 30 minutes i really start to tire uh-huh. and when you're spending that much on the hardware plus what you're paying for the software it's just not something that i think i could get my my money out of and then the second reason is after watching other people play i realize what a dickhead i look like playing it <laughs> right so it's just a self-conscious thing that um it doesn't work I've also had kind of like a bad setup in my house for VR. And yeah. I understand that the newer generation of VR sort of deals with that because you don't necessarily need like a massive um, living room to play in and, and have all the cameras tracking and that kind of stuff. So I'd like to see whether technology is kind of good in that respect because it makes it more accessible for people. Um, but for me personally, it still isn't enough to um, to sort of garner a purchase. I mean... I'm really curious to see how this all works out because, you know, when the PSVR first came out, this was very much an industry that was in its infancy. But, you know, now with the PSVR 2, like this is still a young industry. It's a young little sort of niche part of video gaming. But there's a lot more heavy hitters out there now. Yeah. And I've seen the spec sheets that compare the Valve Index, the Oculus, Oculus Quest 2, and the PSVR 2. And the VR2, the PSVR2 doesn't really seem to blow them out of the water from like a spec standpoint. Like they are still releasing with like a serious amount of competition. Yes, they have the Sony backing. They're going to have great software like we saw from the Horizon thing. But this isn't like the most like outrageous piece of tech in the VR industry right now. So it will be interesting to see how they compete long term with with the other heavy hitters that are out. Yeah. Brandon, why do you hate VR? I don't hate VR. (laughs) I've been a casual bystander um, for a couple years now. Um, I think part of my intrigue was lost on how MacGyvered the PSVR one Mm -hmm. was. Um, I think that kind of uh, tampered my excitement a little bit. Um, Yeah, I guess... I guess I'm just watching from the sidelines. I'm pleased to see this information about PSVR though. Yeah. And I think I've kind of off the back of what Dave said is even if the specs for the PSVR are not anywhere above anyone else, they I th- are slightly, but not well, crazy or anything. Well, I, I, I think the notable thing to take away from that though, is we don't have a price. Right. And that yes. is the biggest thing. Right. Is because I think tech wise, potentially, even if it is a little bit better than the quest, um, the price will matter for sure. And right. I'm with Dave. The industry is kind of going in a good direction right now. I'm glad to see more tech roll out year after year. I think Quest is killing it right yeah. now. Some of the ads I've seen have been very persuading to me as someone who's not even that interested. So I would imagine many people have jumped onto the Quest train as they should. It right. seems like a decent product. Um, But no, I guess I'm intrigued by it. I think at some point I probably will bite. I don't know if it's this iteration. Right. Um, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But um, 
honestly, I'm just glad to see an actual push towards VR from Sony that is not, as I said earlier, completely cobbled together um, from some old ass system. I want to see the best of what they have, um, and I'm confident that the you know the PlayStation Five can give us some good shit. And I think that the Horizon um, is a great way to lead. Yeah, um, yeah. With the PSVR two, I think it's an amazing way to lead. Although um, I do wonder if it's too close to other to, to Horizon Forbidden West. You think? You think I don't it know. would be like a hand? Because I wonder. The, because the thing is too is like people that have the PSVR. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if I was playing the game though, like there is nothing that's that, that matches the sense of scale in VR and that's impossible to convey in a normal traditional video game sense. And I don't I don't know if I would be more persuaded if I'm running through and I see one of the long necks, right? I might be interested to see what it feels like if i'm actually the correct perspective towards it so you'd like to see what the long neck's like up close potentially yeah the daddy long neck yeah um but no i think it's really great that they're coming out with something strong i am very very interested and it doesn't hinge on whether i'll buy it or not because i likely will not be buying it but i think the price is a really ultra important aspect that we're missing from this entire scenario here right um that really will affect how well i think it will do because i feel like quest 2 is you know you don't have to have a console right so you don't have to have a 500 piece of hardware that you already do or do not have to have the vr so they're up i think they're in a they're in an interesting spot like who exactly is this for because if it's slightly better than the quest you still don't have to have anything with the quest you don't have to have anything at all you just need the headset um so I don't know. And that's not a problem for people who already have a PS5. Right. But for anybody who wants to get into VR, this isn't prob- like to buy a $500 machine plus X amount dollar headset. And that's what I'm... Isn't the, the yeah. Way. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I don't know. Honestly, this isn't really quite a prediction, but I'm thinking like $350, $400 is a good price for them. Um, I don't know what a Quest 2 is clocking in nowadays. But 300 for the base model. Is it? Yeah. And I have the base model and... I have plenty of games installed on it, more than I've been able to play even. Yeah. So I don't even know why I would need more storage than that. I, I know a lot of people put movies and whatnot on them, but it's not my vibe. Yeah, that's strange to me. Yeah. But um, now this is good news. I'm excited to finally get some more information about it. We knew it was probably going to happen. And I think that now the Quest has, Sony has seen a way to make more money. And they are now giving it um, one hell of a try actually this time. Um, so here's my question on that, and this is for both of you, either of you. The PSVR 1, or just PSVR as we know it, we think it probably sold in the neighborhood of 5 million units out of about 100, 120 million PS4s that were sold. Mm-hmm. That seems like a pretty small percentage of your base bringing on VR or to buy a new product to be able to to go into a whole new R&D. And like you said, Brandon, the PSVR was kind of cobbled together, but it's very clear the PS5 and the PSVR 2 were built in mind with each other. Right. Like there's the port on the front that's only USB-C. That's the only thing that really takes USB-C. I mean, the controller, I guess, to some extent. Um, Or it's it's USB 3.0. That's really interesting to me because the... You know, they were built together. They're planning on it. Maybe they see more of a market for it. What do you guys think about Sony saying, 
hey, we know only less than 5% of our consumers bought this add-on. Let's go ahead and invest in it further for another console generation. I, and I don't want to cut you off, Dave, but I just want to start off here while I got it fresh on my mind, is that even if that is the case, the PlayStation 5 is selling faster than the PS4 did at launch. And if it keeps its trajectory, then you would imagine that not only would 5 million for a PSVR one be like, I don't know. I If they managed to do 5 million on something that was not made for what it was intended to, and we know that the PlayStation 5 is outperforming the PlayStation 4 initially, then I think that they're trying to weasel their way into this market that they see coming up. I mean, even if even if people can't, everyone cannot get their hands on a PS5. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are getting Do. their hands on PS5s. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, those people are hungry. There's a lot of stuff coming out and there's a lot of good stuff coming out, but they are still hungry. And if the Quest is selling, you bet your ass that Sony knows that they can also sell to those same people. Maybe not the same people, but the same type of people. Sure. So, Dave, what do you think about Sony investing another hardware iteration into a product that had less than 5% attach rate last generation? I I, I was honestly surprised when I first heard that um, Sony was going back to this well. Uh, just because, one, I did not think that the PSVR original sold all that well. And two, um, it just doesn't seem like the market is really maturing all that well. Again, that's not really saying that there isn't money to be made, but it's just, I mean, it's its like I, I'm, I'm thinking about the Kinect. And oh, yeah. um, I think Microsoft sold, I, I just did a quick search. its I'm seeing like 8 million Kinects. I don't know if that's an official number or not, but, you know. They were back in though, right? Uh, yeah, I think these are separate numbers though, because okay. there's another figure that says 35 million and that tells me that's, that's the pack in, but gotcha. in any case, like you look at something like Microsoft, you know, they, they, they went to that once with that sold a similar amount and then just bailed because they realized that, you know, people don't want this and I'm not convinced that people need VR, um, for gaming. And I, and I think the kind of people that you're selling to don't necessarily see the value in it, um, long term so you know going back to the price sony is not the kind of company to put out budget hardware so we know this thing is not going to be cheap combine that with the fact that you know you need to have a console to actually play it and i just don't see this thing taking off on the other hand you know i mentioned my own sister who is not a gamer (laughs) went out on her own and bought an oculus quest um And my brother-in-law did the same thing. He's also not a gamer. So, like, people are going out and buying this Facebook piece of hardware. Um, So I I don't know if the the casual gamers are there for Sony to be one. I don't know if that's who they're targeting. But it just seems like a gamble to me. And I'm really surprised that they're going back to this well after PSVR 2 didn't set the world on fire. I don't know if they assumed it would. But it just seems like an odd choice to me. I don't really see it working out long term. How many, like, Horizon-like games are we really gonna get right honestly um so yeah it's just i I don't think it's gonna work out long dave and i just want to touch real quick on what you said and that i would be very interested to see the quest 2 numbers i don't know if they publish those but i'm interested it's gigantic i'm sure and that is who sony is trying to market towards is exactly what you said dave two people that 
would not buy games. They went out and bought the VR. But what I'm also thinking is that the reason that they could so easily do that is because the quest requires no machine. Right. So how would they then convince a phone these same people to get another machine in addition to another machine to do the theoretical, even if it's a little bit nicer, even if you can't play Horizon, to buy the same thing? You know what I mean? I just, I'm with you there. I don't know how it will play out, but I know there is a market. I just don't know that the same people that are buying these quests would be as interested in buying the PSVR too. Maybe. Right. Maybe. I agree with that, with all of what you guys said. I, I'm i really excited for the future of VR. I don't... So for me, it's like I have a PlayStation 5, but also I just bought a Quest 2 and everything I want to play on it, I mean, other than like the Horizon game, you know, everything's coming to Quest 2 because that's where the market share of VR users are. So anything third party is pretty much going to come to Quest. But 300 bucks to get into that ecosystem versus a minimum, minimum, I would say, of 800 to get into the PSVR 2 ecosystem, if you're not already into the PlayStation ecosystem. And maybe that's what they want. Maybe they want it to be for their hardcore gamers who are already PlayStation loyal, have a PlayStation, whatever. But, you know, there's not there's more money to be made, obviously, with the casual consumer than there is with the hardcore, probably. Now, is there something that we're complete? And I don't want to spend too much time and we're all just speculating, but is it possible now that they have fully driven and we know the PSVR 2 is coming now, is it possible that we're worried about the titles, right? That's what you just said. The majority of the third party is on Oculus. That's the majority of the play. Is it possible now that there is a concise push in Sony to do this, that every first party Sony game will have some tack on VR this year will Gran Turismo which would actually be kind of cool you're going to be in the car yeah God of War well is it possible that we could potentially be enticed by things like this that we don't even know about I mean it's possible maybe yeah I, I would think so but it's just so hard because when you look at the PSVR 2 you know that they're going to be they're going to be catering to third parties of course like they do with all PlayStation software but they also want you to really buy those first party exclusives. And then you look at Quest and Quest has exclusives, but they also allow you to like, they're making leaps and bounds to integrate the Quest with Steam or like PC games. Like they have, you know, a way you can connect wirelessly your headset to your PC and be able to play games that aren't even natively on the Quest. Sony could never. And Sony wouldn't do that <laughs> Sony ever. Sony could no. never. There's no way that Sony is going to, without modification, allow you to hook up the PSVR 2 headset to your computer and play games that they didn't make yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I'm really, I love VR. I'm excited for the landscape, uh, the way it's going to change and everything. And I think every new, every player that's competent is just pushing the medium forward. Um, but I just think they've got to hit the price right. And they've got to make it compelling to want to go because as of right now, I'm like, yeah, a PSVR two would be really cool to have. Uh, I think it would be fun. I love PlayStation. I'd love to be in there. But then I'm like, yeah, but I got to use it attached to my PlayStation. Whereas my Quest, I can literally pick it up and drop it anywhere on top of my head. And I'm I'm in VR. And so it's really for $300. It's really hard for me to imagine why I would want the other one, another one, unless I was really, 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 really sold on a specific game or title. Yeah. So. Anyway, interesting. Definitely. We'll keep an eye on that and see how it develops. No news on release yet. I'm thinking 
within the next 12 months based on the way their information usually comes. But of course, Sony hasn't given us anything directly. Uh, speaking of Sony, another little brief snippet here. This comes from pushsquare.com. Uh, remember last year, we talked a little bit about how Discord and uh, Sony were getting together. Uh, Sony had invested a little bit into Discord, etc. And it says, Push Square says, this is the year when Sony unveils and capitalizes on its plan to share some sort of PlayStation integration with social service Discord. And it looks like work is already going on behind the scenes. First spotted by Reddit users and then corroborated by MP1ST, a Discord user, was able to link a PSN account to their profile. It doesn't sound like they were actually able to do anything with this connectivity, but the classic PlayStation logo was presented alongside Reddit, Spotify, Steam, Twitch, and Twitter connections. Uh, So... Looks like we could be seeing some connections coming up. And now, of course, you know, we kind of knew this was going to happen eventually. And it looks like things are in progress. We kind of heard first quarter this year. But I don't know. I'm pretty excited that, like, you know, I primarily play on PC. Brandon, you're primarily on PlayStation. Dave, I don't know where you're primarily, but you're playing a lot of Xbox. If we all three want to play a game together, really the only solution for us to be able to chat, except for in really incredibly shitty game chat, is over discord yeah and to not have to use a a second or third device to have discord and be able to chat is pretty exciting to me dave you made a new year's resolution to play more games with friends does this excite you big time yeah i love discord i don't use it uh a lot like i still think i use slack more on a daily basis than i do discord but every interaction i have with discord is is a good one and uh to be able to fully integrate that with gaming because at the moment um, my use and my utility of uh, Discord is really sort of ancillary. It's like, it's there to talk like outside of gaming, uh, about gaming, about Twitch channels, stuff like that. Um, I've used it the odd time. I think I've used it with you guys before playing Warzone. Um, but otherwise, it's it's sort of just been a separate part of of the gaming that I actually do. So to have it sort of fully integrated is exciting. Um, I know Ben, you use Discord a lot more than I do in Pretty a much lot daily. of different ways yeah. <laughs> than I do. Uh, so maybe you have some different opinions on the quality of the service, but uh, I I love it and I I'm excited to see where this goes big time. Just to follow up on that, the quality specifically, their tech is amazing. I mean, I've been in hundreds of Discord calls and some Discord calls for hours and hours and hours. And the fact that you can like call somebody directly or you can create a room and talk to somebody or whatever, just the the sound quality compared to even Sony's first party chat or Xbox's chat is just unparalleled. Like it's it's way, 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 way better, crisper, cleaner, uh, less latency, etc. Um, Brandon, this has been a pain point for you and I when trying to game in the past. Yeah. How do you feel? Honestly, I'm happy Sony's doing it. The majority of my playing maybe not recently, but has been on PlayStation. Right. This is very good news. Um, party chat somehow sucks no matter what. Yep. And in a perfect world, I would love for Discord to just partner with everybody. Um, and just, I don't know why I can't have a Discord app on every gaming console I own. I really don't. Uh, it, it could happen. It wouldn't be big. Sign the contracts, companies. Let's get on it. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm excited about this. We heard a little bit of rumors, news, uh, about this last year and uh all i gotta say is it's about time so yeah agreed i'm ready for it too it'll make uh putting together game sessions and not having to worry about what platform somebody's on yeah. way easier i think so especially with cross play the way it is yeah dude i mean 
most things have crossplay now, so it kind of right. makes sense to be able to utilize that easier. For sure. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Switching over to the other side of the aisle, let's talk a little bit about Xbox. And this isn't specifically about Xbox. It's uh, Ubisoft Plus is going to be coming to Xbox soon. And this comes by way of RespawnStation.com. This is an article from last week, right after we were recording. It says, earlier today, this is last week sometime, if you saw Ubisoft tweet, oh, hi, Xbox Game Pass, followed by Xbox Game Pass tweeting back, oh, hi to you as well, uh, and thought that was a tease for something down the road, you would be correct. How far down the road, you ask? Not very. 20 minutes after that exchange, Ubisoft announced that Ubisoft Plus is coming to Xbox and that Rainbow Six Extraction, a game I know we're all super pumped for, is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Going off their press release, these are two distinct announcements. The first pertains to the fact that Ubisoft's game subscription service is coming to the Xbox family of consoles. The other refers to Ubisoft's upcoming game, Rainbow Six Extraction, releasing day one on Game Pass. Bundled together, it can be easily taken for Ubisoft Plus is coming to Xbox Game Pass. That being said, Ubisoft says more information about the topic will come at a later date. This means there's still more time for Xbox to strike a deal like they did for EA Play. So uh, last year, if you remember, I think it was last year, there was um, uh, integration with uh, EA's service, their subscription service that Game Pass users would have access to many of the most popular titles on there, most of uh, most of the titles on there. And so made it a lot easier if you had Game Pass already, even more value, get it, uh, get some of the EA games on there. This looks like that probably won't be the same case, but Ubisoft Plus is going to be available on Xbox. No signs yet as to being on PlayStation. I'm sure it will be available on PC as most things, whether they come to one console or the other, are going to remain on PC. Uh, Brandon, Ubisoft Plus, you've been an Ubisoft lover and a hater. I know uh, Dave is much more an Ubisoft lover lately, and you're much more of a hater lately. Yeah. But tell me about. Do you know about Ubisoft Plus? Have you have you investigated it yet? No, no. I honestly don't know much about it. Um, and at least recently, if it has Ubisoft in the name, I'm tending to not be that interested. Yeah. Um, but uh, imagining getting any more um, from Ubisoft is not something I'm really interested in. Um, I've said before, and I'll say it again, I'm kind of shying away from them as a company and the type of games they make. So it doesn't really interest me too much. I will say the, su- let's just say subscriptionification of everything is uh-huh. kind of fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, and I have no idea what the new Siege game is. I'm not really quite interested in that either. Right. Um, the Rainbow Six game, I mean. Um, but I'm sure it'll be good for some people. Now that I have an Xbox, maybe I'll be able to utilize something with Game Pass. But 
yeah, I guess mostly just negative comments from me. Nothing really too insightful or uh, productive. Uh, but that's all I got to say about that. So Dave, Ubisoft Plus is a subscription service, as we've alluded to. Uh, it's already on PC, so you can get it there. But it basically allows you to get a whole bunch of titles from Ubisoft uh, for one monthly cost. It's kind of like Game Pass, but with specifically with Ubisoft games uh, on launch day with DLC, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want to say I think it's $15 a month to get access. Is that something you would take advantage of? I know you buy most Assassin's Creed entries. Uh, you like, I think, Rainbow Six. How do you feel about Ubisoft Plus? Um, I I'm with uh, I'm with Brandon on the on the subscription thing where it's just I like a lot of Ubisoft games, uh, but as as time goes by, I'm liking them less and less. I I've had zero interest in the last two Far Cry games. Um, I have a soft spot for the Assassin's Creed series, but the less grounded they get, the less I want to play them. Um, so yeah, and and being able to access the entire catalog of Ubisoft games for twenty Canadian dollars a month on PC, and that might change if if it actually comes to Game Pass. Um, I mean, is good probably for you know the value minded consumer, which I am, but at the same time, it also kind of devalues the experience for me. Right. Um, it's a lot like walking into a place with free admission. You're expecting a different sort of experience than you would if somebody says twenty dollars at the door. So I don't know. I don't know what it does for me. I mean, if 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 this comes to Game Pass, great. That just adds more value to the subscription I'm already paying. So I'm happy about that. If I look at just the Rainbow Six, um, I almost called it quarantine, but there's another name to extraction. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um, if I just look at that, that's great because. Um, I actually played the uh, beta of this game like months ago. Um, uh -huh. I had a private invite and I thought it was dog shit. I didn't know why it existed. It was, it felt awful. Um, it existed to pad out their subscription service. I guess so. Sure. But uh, <laughs> now that this is coming to Game Pass, I'm probably going to try it out. So right. look at Game Pass and these subscription type services kind of just shattering those barriers for people to populate player bases once again. So in that respect, it's it's not a negative at all. Um, so, yeah, I'll be curious to see where this goes. But you know, if if I don't have to pay for the next Assassin's Creed, uh, I that will devalue the experience for me. If that makes any sense at all, <laughs> I think it does because oftentimes, like, there are games that have been on like PS Plus that I've like been like, oh, I want to play that game eventually, and then it comes to PS Plus and I have it, and I'm like, I'll get to it when I get to it. I already have it. And I'm not getting rid of PS Plus anytime soon. So I totally understand what you mean, because like a game that you pay for, you're going to feel more weight to playing it and you're going to feel like it's more needed to finish it. Whereas if you just have it, it's like, OK, well, I didn't pay. I, nothing extra came out of my pocket. I might as well just wait until I have time. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure these companies are raking in the money. And with the catalog that Ubisoft has and, and the catalog that EA has with EA Play, like it probably makes sense to offer a service like this because they have so many games to offer. But I mean, for somebody like me, as I said, it just sort of, it's, it's not something that attracts me and, and yeah, but then again, it, it removes those barriers. For me, so, right. Why not? Dude, I want someone to take when Ubisoft plus drops, I want them to take every game and total up the hours of how long it would to, com it would take <laughs> to complete these bloated and uninspiring games 
see how long it would possibly take to do the whole library. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And and the definition of insanity for me is is I see these bundles on on the PlayStation Store for the last three games in the Assassin's Creed series all bundled together for like thirty dollars. Right. So it's that's like easily three hundred hours of content, and you're literally paying thirty dollars for all of that. And to me, that's insane because I would buy that if I hadn't played those games. I'd want to play every single game from front to back. But knowing how bloated those games are, as you said, Brandon, it's just like I would be pulling my hair out. Yeah. At the same time, I've seen other people who have bought those bundles and been like, look at the value I just got for this. Like, this is going to be hundreds of hours of gaming for me, and it cost me almost nothing. So people look at it differently, and there's people who look at Ubisoft Plus and services like that for 20 bucks a month and say, this is incredible value. I never need to buy a game. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really a different strokes kind of thing, but yeah. yeah, it ain't, it ain't the Witcher. I'll tell you that <laughs> Witcher three. I'll tell you. Anyway, next story, a little bit depressing, but also predictable from games industry.biz around 14,000 studios in China have shut down amid ongoing licensing freeze. Now, let me reread that first part in case you missed it. Around 14,000 studios. Quote, it is estimated that around 14,000 development studios in China have shut down since the country issued a freeze on video game approvals nine months ago. Now, we talked a lot about China and Tencent and everything else lots last year and into this year. Uh, but this them issuing this freeze on approvals, I don't think we caught. At some yeah. point. Uh, according to the South China Morning Post, the National Press and Publication Administration has not published a list of approved new games since July of 2021. As a result, thousands of studios and games adjacent firms have reportedly gone out of business since the freeze began. It is now expected to continue into 2022. The 14,000 figures comes 14,000 figure comes from state-run news outlet Securities Daily. Now, this is a state-run news outlet. What do we know about China? they're not big on free information. So if their site was, if their own news organization branch was reporting this, could be uh, even more than that. Sounds like more like 30,000. Sounds like more like (laughs) 30,000. Which also estimated that 18,000 gaming companies shut down in China in 2022. That's a lot of gaming companies, by the way. I don't think we have 14,000 gaming companies in the United States period, let alone to shut down. Yeah, that's insane. What like there's a billion and a half people there. What, I mean, yeah, yeah, I get it, but like what benefit? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. The freeze followed new limits that prohibit well, okay. So remember that in China, a lot of those are mobile game companies. Fair. Because fair. That is the like they're much less about consoles than we are. Gotcha. They're much more about their phones. So uh, the 14,000 figures come from state-run news outlet Securities Daily, which also estimated... Oh, I already read that part. The freeze followed new limits that prohibit children from playing games at all between Monday and Thursday, with Friday to Sunday allowing one hour of gaming per day between 8 and 9 p.m. China-based Tencent has been doubling down on overseas investment. Last year, the company bought several Western studios, including Sumo Digital for $1.3 billion, as well as Back for Blood developer Turtle Rock. I think I said this before on the podcast, but I'm not sure if Dave was here. Last year, 2021, uh, the numbers that I saw were that Tencent either bought out or invested in a new gaming company every three days on average. That's a wild amount for anyone to do, let alone someone who might be a little nefarious. The company has also taken majority stakes in several other firms like 
Don't Don't Starve Maker Clay Entertainment, Spec Ops The Lion Studio Jaeger, and UK Studio Playtonic among them. So those are all some big names that we're at least familiar with, even if we haven't played their games. Dave, what the hell, man? Yeah, what the hell? Um, I just hope they don't shut down uh, that uh, studio that's making Black Myth Wukong. That game is awesome. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just, I, I just did a quick search, and apparently the head of that studio, which is called Game Science Studio, is an ex Tencent game staff member. So if they haven't been shut down yet, they might be in the firing line. But uh, yeah, this this looks like a a a um, a scenario where somebody's trying to control what's coming out of that country creatively, and uh, it's not good. It's not good for the industry because you know we're starting to see some really good stuff come out of China, and um, if you're shutting down that many different studios, then that's just going to make, uh, you know, existing studios not want to put a whole lot of resources into what they're creating. And it's potentially going to make new studios or, uh, you know, potential new studios not want to even attempt to do anything. So, well, it also good, hurts. Man. Yeah, it's definitely not good. It also hurts our American companies and, and not only American, but European, whatever companies, because, I mean, we we criticize people all the time for kowtowing to China's rules and like taking references to Taiwan out of their games and stuff like that just so they can be over there. But the reality is like so much of our gaming money and movie industry money and everything comes from China. And if China cracks down and less people are making games in China, which means probably less people in China are going to be playing games and especially with the new rules they've implemented, maybe tomorrow we don't see a difference. But in 15 years the whole new generation of gamers that could be will won't have as much of an interest in playing and doing things, which means profits go down here uh, means that uh, less people are employed potentially. Like there's a gigantic ripple effect to this. Obviously the, the, you know, the human rights, it's funny to call video playing video games, a human right, but the human rights portion of everything China's doing uh, video games or not is awful and, and bad, but just the fact that how it will affect our national economy is also downright terrible. Brandon, did you get your card yet for the CCP? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Um, what's left to be said? I mean, I've shit on the CCP on this podcast before. I think it is an insane thing. Um, even money-wise, I can't find a very good motivation, aside from just pure control, um, that this would benefit anybody um with any good intentions right that's um, that's the key right there so yeah it's it, it's very depressing and even when you put it in such a way that you have been it's even worse um so just feel really bad for anyone over there um who has any interest even anywhere close to what we have in video games um and what kind of hoops you'd have to struggle through um yeah, it just sucks. Yeah. So, and uh, mentioned Tencent in that article, but Tencent has been, I think, so heavily investing in non like the amount of Chinese studios that Tencent has invested in or bought over the last couple of years is very small. They're investing overseas. And I think eventually they know that if they're going to make money doing gaming, and they clearly are making money doing doing gaming stuff they're going to have to find that those resources in places other than China because China is um, all sorts of bad in many ways, but especially cracking down on video games specifically. Um, 
So is yeah. Tencent trying to get out? Yeah, <laughs> is, yeah, I think they is are. That what's going on? I mean, I think I still think Tencent is awful. Uh, I don't like a lot of their business practices, and you know, obviously, they have some control by the CCP. But it's very clear that they're they're capitalists. They're trying to make money, just like all capitalists are, yeah. uh, all studios are, and they see the writing on the wall that if they want to continue to make money, they got to do it elsewhere. And maybe that's part of it too. You know, these companies are. Chinese government controlled to some extent or at least influenced and for them to kind of get a little bit of a, a lead on the read of the room and know what's happened, what's going to go down in China. And then they start investing everywhere else. Uh, that's, that's also scary. Yeah, for sure. Very so. much. Well, moving on from that happy news, let's talk a little bit about days gone. Now, Brandon, you played a little bit of days gone. Yeah, I probably played about, Probably a little less than 10 hours. And Dave, have you played Days Gone? Yeah, I beat it. Okay. And I have barely played Days Gone at all. Uh, speaking of Chinese, I just got an ad for Genshin Impact on my phone. Oh, there you are. Yeah, They're listening. <laughs> uh, this comes from Push Square as well, from Sammy Barker. Uh, Days Gone, Days Gone's reported 8 million sales is not necessarily accurate. Now, the first story that came out was Jeff Ross had said, Jeff Ross was one of those studio heads, uh, over at Ben said that the game had sold over 8 million copies on PS4 as of the time he left in December of 2020. Uh, of course, then there was the Steam port and everything, and he figured that would put it close to 10 million sales. Turns out that uh, since that interview, or since he said that, he was on Jaffe's show, and Jeff Ross said he stood by his numbers, um, but we're not, still not sure. So the numbers could be a little bit iffy and everything like that. But I guess I kind of wanted to talk more about um, the fact that Days Gone, while it was kind of panned by critics at, at the outset, it definitely gained a lot of steam and people came to love that game. Some people hate it still too. Uh, people started loving that game and they're not getting a sequel. They're not getting to move on. We've already talked about that a little bit in the past. But even if Jeff's numbers were inflated, even if he says 8 million, it was really 6 million. That's still, for almost any other game, would necessitate, not just dictate, but necessitate a sequel because yeah. there's money to be made there. Uh, any hypothesis as to why Days Gone is not getting a sequel? Why Jeff Ross is clearly very unhappy? He's no longer there, of course. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you, th what do you guys think? I think honestly, some insight that is pretty key to this scenario and days gone in general um, is something you might have a little bit more insight to, Ben. Wasn't there a whole debacle um, with the review cycle at the beginning of launch? Yeah, so they put out the they put out review codes ahead of any of the like the day one patches or anything, and the game did have some bugs even after that day one patch, but it was in bad bad shape before it actually released. Uh, so the reviewers all played a bad version of the game and by bad i mean like you know buggy uh many of them still enjoyed it many yeah. of them did not and then this you could say this is a problem with the industry at large or you could say this is a problem with um with games journalists or just a problem with the amount of games that were coming out at the time you know people don't go back to re-review games after they get big patches and stuff like that they yeah. play the game that comes out at launch and I mean, by and large, people don't do that. They played the game at launch. They rated it as it should have been. And it was sent out before Bend wanted it to be. Uh, Sony PR, from all accounts that we can find, Sony PR sent it out before Bend gave their approval. And I think that really hurt the game from the outset. Yeah. Now, I think that's a super important piece to this puzzle. 
Um, and I think there's like a cascading effect of dog shit that kind of follows it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I don't know, man, ever since I picked up this game, it's been weird. Um, the first time playing it, and I think I even went back to try and try it a second time. I just think that, and what did that, that same guy, you said Jeff, right? Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross. He was talking about how it sold more than, and I understand we're saying that the sales numbers are a little bit iffy, Yeah. but he even compared it to Ghost of Tsushima. He did, yeah. And I, in no part in my mind do I think Days Gone is an awful game. Right. I think it's a good game, and by most standards, it's a good game. Right. But something like Ghost of Tsushima is on a level that I don't think Days Gone could have been at if it came out two years later. Right. Um, and I just, I think that it, it, it was a mixture of a couple different things. I think it was a mixture of a pretty good game having a really shitty start and then just continuing to fumble over and over. Um, I think this game does much better and has continued to do better on a higher performing platform. I think that this game, especially with the like mob mechanics and everything like that, would do better on a more powerful machine. And I think that it's a combination of just weird performance, um, really shitty start to the launch of the game, and just an overall mid-to-average game itself, just causing just, you know, just a decent game. I just think that's what it is. I just think it's wholly mid. This game is wholly mid, and that's why it's not getting a sequel. Right. Is because it's sold... And it's continuing to sell. And I think the numbers were probably bolstered a lot by the PC sales, if I had to guess. Sure. But I don't know. What and do also, th- we don't know of the, let's say those 8 million, that 8 million number is correct. We don't know how many of those were at full price versus cheaper. For, versus $20. Versus like. Ghost, which might have been full price for a lot longer, et cetera. So right, yeah, there right. is some, just because you sell the same amount of units, if you sell half of them at half the price, it's not going to equal the same amount of value. Right. Or, profit and i mean dave you said you finished that game so obviously you liked it a little bit better than me but even after hearing people talk about it i mean it not only was a mid experience for me but i heard that mid experience dragged on for a very long time that game outstays its welcome from what i've heard so what were kind of your thoughts on the game overall i guess and hearing this news about it performing well i mean dave would you be interested in a sequel i mean it's not happening now but what do you think yeah i would love to see a sequel i was extremely fond of days gone um now full disclosure i played it about a year after launch or a little bit less than a year after launch and i did buy it on sale um but i i had a great time with it it had pacing issues but other than that it was it was a fantastic open world game and i personally i put it up there with ghost of tsushima i don't think a lot of people would because a lot of people just didn't give this game the fair shake that it deserved and the reason for that, uh, as Ben sort of detailed, is it made a really bad first impression. Yeah. And it, it sucks because, like, you know, from from the review cycle, as I understand it, is you send out a review copy of a game. And if there's issues in the review copy, you, you can kind of state that up front. Just like, look, there's these issues. We're aware of them. There's going to be a day one patch. That way, the reviewers are aware of it, and they don't really make note of it in their reviews. It seems like that didn't happen, because this patch came out shortly before the game actually launched, so all the reviewers reported on all the issues like it was the actual final product, and it 
it just seemed like there was a massive disconnect between Sony's PR and and Ben. And then, you know, we're two and a half years later, two years later, whatever it is, and um John Garvin's been fired. He was a studio head at Ben. And you know, they they sold the exact same amount of copies that Ghost of Tsushima did, albeit in a shorter period of time. It's it's just a weird situation. Um, I would have expected that they would have given them a second shot, but just isn't the case. And it's really sad to see. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if if you have a chance to check out Days Gone, it's totally worth it. Um, I, I I really like it. Uh, one of the reasons we we sort of we were talking behind the scenes about uh, Days Gone earlier today was it, um, Jeff Ross had an interview on USA Today. And uh, he was speaking about sort of, you know, what creatively kind of happened behind the scenes with Days Gone. It wasn't bad, um, but he sort of went into a little bit more detail about why he didn't think the game actually got a um, a sequel. And one of the reasons was when John Garvin got fired, the studio lost its creative direction. And rather than putting one person in charge of the creative vision of the studio, they had a committee which committees can be great, but when it comes to creative sort of mindsets in video games, they don't really work because you need one person driving it forward. So I don't want to get all into the opinions of this um, this article, but um, if you have a chance to go read it, it's on USA Today. It's an uh, interview with, um, with Jeff Ross about Days Gone and why it didn't get a sequel. And I think it kind of ties in nicely to the conversation we had last week about Ken Levine sort of... Yeah. The potential development hell that he's in, so kind of tie a bow on that little conversation. There. Sure, yeah, it's uh, you're right, Dave. It's it's much more nuanced than I think anyone would expect. The one thing I will say, and and maybe you can say this is Sony knowing that it wasn't gonna work, it wasn't gonna fully shake out, or they didn't have confidence, or maybe they had a grudge against. It. I don't know. I don't know why they would let that impact their business, but I just remember the lead up to Days Gone. We, we went to multiple different shows and by shows, I mean like PAX and PSX and stuff like that, where this game was present, but not really being pushed. And the marketing for the game just wasn't there the way I thought it should have been. And it's like Sony, like, yeah, maybe the game wasn't going to be perfect. No game's perfect, but it wasn't going to be amazing. But like, it's a first party game and Sony, I feel like barely did any marketing behind it. And so like, there might have been something there too. The, the writing was kind of on the wall for years. We were like, this game's going to be weird when it comes out. Yeah. And sure enough, it was everything about it's weird. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, something something was weird with the lead up to that game for yeah. sure. Troubled seas um, for them in that yeah. development for sure. For sure. Okay. So, next thing, and I'll let one of you guys kind of take this, but uh, Techland came out to say, let me find the exact words The dying light two would take over 500 hours to fully complete. And then later they clarified and said, well, to complete the main story, you're going to only need like 20 hours, which we know how dev math works. And that probably means more like 12, but how do you guys feel just in general? We could talk specifically about the game or we can talk about games in general about touting that a game is going to take 500 hours, whether that's because of side quests and other missions and stuff like that, or it's because of the main storyline, whatever. What do you guys feel about the length of time spent playing your games? Dave, we'll start with you. The Assassin's Creed time sink extraordinaire. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about this? Well, I, I, 
the first thing I have to say off the hop is the best thing that came out of this entire story was uh, that Shadow Warrior 3 uh, tweeted out, I guess, in jest of this whole thing, was that uh, they tweeted out, Shadow Warrior 3 will take 500 hours to complete 60 times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that people are, are having fun with it. Yes, but, um, absolutely. I, I don't think they read the room very well because uh, I, I totally get what they were going for. What they tweeted out was it would take 500 and some hours to walk from Warsaw to somewhere else. Right. And then they said our game to complete like 100%, which they didn't communicate that part very well, would take 500 hours. And I think today's uh, gamer is a little bit more sophisticated in that we don't really look at, um, you know, quality uh, under quantity. So it just it it didn't go over well. Um, my first reaction when I saw this was uh, I immediately thought back to Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which the main campaign of that game took 60 hours. Yeah. Which is 40 more hours than I wanted to put into it. So I was really high on day on on this. Um, on dying light two, um, when I saw this immediately sort of like dropped down my, my, my sort of hype. List. So it's, it's not a great way to market your game to say like, this is how many hours you can put into it. And the fact that they kind of backtracked and were like, you know, sorry, you can complete the uh, story in 20 hours, but there's still 500 hours of content to complete. That doesn't make me feel great either, because if I just want a critical path, it, that means that I've missed out on 480 hours of content, which <laughs> right. that's another thing I don't want to hear. So right. it's it's just it's all a mess. It's a complete mess. But the Shadow Warrior tweet. Something yes. good came out. Brandon, you love your games to be long and juicy, Ooh. but you also get tired of games pretty quick, I think. Yeah, no, the it has to respect my time. Yes. And it has to be once again. Um I, I'm not really saying anything different than Dave said. This when I saw this, this perfectly reminded me of the last two Assassin's Creed iterations specifically. Um, and I said it before, just bloated experiences. I agree with Dave saying that, you, let's say it even is 20 hours, right, to beat the main campaign. Mm -hmm. Saying that there's 480 hours of content, and you're telling me 480 hours of non-story essential missions are available. It's just like The Witcher 3. What could possibly... Like, is it technically possible that all of these are going to be worth my time? Possibly. Maybe. It is literally possible. Right. Um, but I just... I That isn't something to brag about to me. And I thought it was funny. I Dave said it. They did not read the room. Mm -hmm. And it's not... We don't need that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I. It's too much. I already, I already wasn't excited about the game, um, and hearing that makes me just imagine Assassin's Creed um, and what little content I do feel like I really got quality content is just overshadowed by this massive shit cloud rolling in of just extra <laughs> tacked on side quests, right. fetch quests, fucking this, that, and the other. It almost feels like they put a lot of that stuff in there so they could specifically make that tweet. Yeah, yeah, and it was over five hundred hours. Yeah, and I, I really do think this had the opposite effect for most people. Right. Um, and we can even go back to what we said earlier. There are some people that would see that and absolutely love it. Right. And I guess we're blessed to have many things to play, and our time, our gaming is valuable. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from all this. If we had way less 
um, games at our disposal. If it mattered less, this would be a good thing. Um, but the reality is, is that there's so much and there's so much quality crafted, perfect experiences that can be a couple hours long. Yeah, like I probably put 500 hours in the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 in 1997 or right. whatever it was. Right. But I had like four games right. in the world that I could play. Right. And yeah. the landscape just does not make this sort of experience very viable unless they've completely crafted and hand, you know, with an with an amazing direction and amazing writers and, you know, I just don't think it's possible. Right. 480 hours is a long time for any game <laughs> of any caliber to continue to be story driven and make sense and be worth my time. So right. definitely, definitely a strange flex, but okay. Right. <laughs> I agree. We do be flexing. Yeah. We do be flexing. Strange flex. And I just thought about how many hours I've played of Sea of Thieves and got depressed. Damn. Do you know what the number happened? is, Ben? Do you, do you know what the actual number is? Can you say it out loud on the podcast? Uh, I can. Are, can Are you, you guess, pleading? Brandon, can you guess? Take a guess, Brandon. How many hours? And keep in mind, I've been playing since February 13th of 2021. Okay. I was wondering if Ben might play the fifth on this. But, I'm not playing um, that. I'll tell you eventually. Right. I want you guys to guess. Um, Without looking at my Xbox profile. 600 hours? Dave? I'm going to go with 599, Bob. <laughs> I have decided to retract my previous statement and plead the fifth. Is it? It's is, more than that. <laughs> is it 900 hours? Uh, about 1200 hours. Oh, wow. my God. Wow, dude. That is money's worth of that. Hell now, yeah. Keep dude. in mind, keep in mind, this is not much of a, a plead my case kind of thing, but I think, you know, I could probably sum up about 100 of those hours to uh, sitting in the, uh, at the home screen while I'm doing something else right, or right, like right. messing around, whatever. But you're, you're also going to get that with almost any game. So, yeah. Uh, I think let me let me quickly look at my Xbox profile. I just want to read off exactly what it says here, so that we all have a basic understanding of how big of a loser I am. Dude, listen, you always talk about Sea of Thieves. It's time to flex the creds now. I am official. I mean, like I think this makes me an expert at the game. I'm pretty sure is is how it works. That sounds right to me. Um, so 48 days, 17 hours, and 32 minutes. It says on my Whew. profile. Whew. Uh, and 48 days. Let me, let me get the old calculator out here. 48 times 24 is 1,152 plus another 17. So about 1,169 hours. Okay. So, Dude, you're honing your craft. Look, I love the game and I play it a lot. And sometimes I play it off stream, but I mean, I'm playing it on stream. I'm making I'm making the That's bucks, right, dude. you know. That's I gotta, right, dude. I gotta rake in the cash, too. That's right, dude. You can't. You can't make money off Sea of Thieves if you're not playing at twelve hundred hours a year. No, dude, that's great. That's definitely higher than my highest played game of all time, which is Modern Warfare Two. Yeah. But respect, mad respect, Ben. It's um, mad respect. I'm gonna puke now. Let's talk about what we've been playing. <laughs> Dave, you go first. Um. Yeah. Well, I I I don't know how you guys have been progressing with your backlog and. That kind of stuff, but uh, <laughs> I just told you I played twelve hundred hours of Sea of Thieves in the last year. How do you in think general, I'm doing? I'm speaking. I'm speaking <laughs> to the viewers, the people in our in our Discord, and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I don't know if you guys have ever completed and rolled creds at Matt, as uh, Matt Borges would say, um, twice in a twenty four hour period. But I just accomplished that, so I'm pretty oh, proud. Oh, of myself. 
Congrats. I completed uh, Halo Infinite last night, and then I just uh, finished Darksiders Genesis on the Nintendo Switch earlier today. Nice. You actually uh, were able to finish it. Yeah, yeah. Genesis wasn't so bad. It only crashed a couple times. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've, I'm I'm feeling free. I'm feeling light. My my wallet is feeling heavy. I've got to go out and <laughs> buy some things to sort of fill this void. Yeah. Um, Don't you but, have Game Pass, Dave? Aren't there a million games there you haven't played yet? <laughs> I do, and I actually downloaded MLB The Show earlier today, and I kind of satiated my uh, New Year's resolution slightly because I went online and did a test with a friend of the show, Duncan, uh-huh. um, to see if cross-gen slash cross-play would work because he's on PlayStation 4, right. I'm on Series S, so we just tried to work it out to see if Wow, Duncan work. doesn't have a PS5. What a scrub. No, he can't find one. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. He's not working super hard at. Um, he's working about <laughs> as hard at finding his PlayStation Five as he did at writing for this website. Yeah, that so, sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just yeah. yeah. But uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm playing online with people. That's great. I downloaded Deep Rock Galactic, which I plan to play with uh, my good friend and friend of the show, Brandon. Yes. After the show today, it is uh, your boy. So yeah, I'm working hard at my uh, my my New Year's resolution. So things are nice. going well in David's. And just briefly, did you like Halo Infinite, the campaign? I did not. No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, I don't know if... Yeah, I don't want to go into a whole lot of detail about why I didn't, because there's probably people who haven't finished it, but uh, in a nutshell, um, ELDR, as Matt Borges would say, um, I, I did not like it. Gotcha. We'll talk about it sometime. Maybe not on the show, because there's a billion podcasts who have done Halo, show, Halo shows. And I feel like you can't talk about why you didn't like that game super in-depth without spoiling a little bit. So We should do uh, a Halo Infinite discussion and a Game of the Year in one. Just oh. so your head will... Just, sounds, just get it all out of the way at like once. <laughs> so my announcement is that I'm resigning. Uh, oh, from- <laughs> shit. On the show live. Brandon, what have you been playing? Uh, well, I've been playing some more Guardians, which has been great. Oh, um, I think I'm almost done. Okay. Um, been really great. Actually, just out of nowhere. What an, a refreshing single player experience that really has not a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Um, that I'm traditionally accustomed to nowadays uh, in the age of microtransactions. Um, but really, really solid experience. I've talked about it before. I'm continuing to enjoy it thoroughly. Um, last week I played about an hour of Deep Rock Galactic. Uh, this week I played many, many more hours. Um, what an intriguing out of nowhere type of game for me. Yeah. Um, I've sunk more time into it than I initially thought I ever would. Um, it's continued to provide me with a sense of joy and accomplishment. Um, and I'm going to keep playing. Nice. Um, I feel like I kind of have scratched the surface. Uh, part of that game is... Uh, there are four distinct classes. I've only really fucked with the one. Um, and yeah, I just feel like uh, it's very small on my hard drive and something that I could easily pop into and feel like I've accomplished something within 20 minutes. Um, so uh, just kind of out of nowhere. I didn't even know this game was coming out. It came to PlayStation Plus. It still is available on PlayStation Plus. If there's anyone who's listening, check it out. Um, it's not very big. And it's really fun, especially if you have a couple people to play with. Um, I so. think it's on Game Pass too, or at least it was. It was at one point. Yeah, because I downloaded it three different times and deleted it. Yeah, I just never even turned it on. Yeah, but interested to see where this goes. Um, the subreddit is relatively uninteresting, so I don't know if that means there's not very many people that play this that are on Reddit. 
I'm just hoping it does well um, because I think that the idea and the product that they've put out thus far has been really good. I think they'll get the nice PlayStation Plus bump, and I hope that kind of uh, gives them a good trajectory um, to continue to make content for this game. So um, definitely check it out. Um, but that's really about all I've been playing. I got to pop into Halo Infinite to do the um, Samurai Armor event last night a little bit. Oh, is that ca- back on? It's gone now. What? Yesterday was the last day. Missed it. Um, yeah, I got a couple tiers, and now I don't think I'm going to be able to finish it. But it is what it is. Yeah. Um, there's other games that need playing, and after all, it is just a cosmetic. But yeah. I would love to have deer antlers on my Samurai helmet. That's true. Uh, but who sure. knows if that'll happen now. Um, so yeah, such is life, but, uh, no dude, uh, aside from that, not a whole lot, not a whole damn lot. That's about it. I have, uh, not been playing a lot of games outside of Sea of Thieves, except for VR games. And these Mm kind of come over the last two weeks or so, uh, playing on the quest. I played a good bit of, um, well, there's always Beat Saber. You're always, always, you know, popping in for a, a round or two of Beat Saber, when you're playing VR and then there's another game called pistol whip, which mm. uh, pistol whip, pistol whip, which I know we've talked about in the way in the past on this show, but uh, basically it's a combination of beat saber and John wick. And you're kind of shooting bad guys to the beat uh, while you're on kind of a, a single track cool. and just running through very music heavy, obviously um, also played a game called Demio, which I've, been wanting to play for a long time played that a couple weeks ago and didn't talk about it it's basically D D in vr uh you're in like a virtual room and you have a a table in front of you which you move around your character they're like little mini figs you know and uh you're fighting enemies and you're trying to escape the dungeons and stuff like that uh you can play that with, with it's a multiplayer game you can play it with other people in vr and uh, I, it's it's really hard to explain why it's appealing unless you're in it and like unless you see it because you see it just like on the screen on like the you know their website or something on on the trailer and you're like oh, okay so you're just moving pieces around the board but like when you're in inside of the board and it's like you know it's like in Harry Potter when they play chess and they're on the the board in real life and like all the right. big figures are moving around you kind of feel like that a little yeah. bit. And then, uh, what, what did I say that game was called? Demio. Demio. Uh, the last game, or at least the other game I'll talk about, is called uh, After the Fall. Mm. It's basically Left for Dead in VR. Better than Back for Blood? Better than Back for Blood, yes. Okay. And uh, I only played a couple hours of that with a couple buddies, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And I'm sure that's a game I'll pop back into, you know, here and there, whenever I have people to play with. It does not seem like a game I would want. I, I would play Demio potentially by myself. I don't want to. I'd rather play with friends, but I would play that game by myself. Uh, After the Fall is definitely a game that I feel like I would not want to play by myself. Hmm. It just, it's like, I mean, you could play Left 4 Dead or Back 4 Blood by yourself, but that's not how it's intended. Yeah, it's not the same. Just like After the Fall. Yeah. Isn't, so yeah. that's kind of what I've been playing uh, over the last couple weeks. And um, I'm hoping to, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out Deep Rock Galactic. I'd like to play that. And then, uh, so it sounds like this is not a complaint. It's a good thing. But I've just been spending so much time streaming because like I'm I'm finally kind of getting into more of the community and like having more people to play with and more people wanting to do streams together and everything like that, which is a great problem 
to have. It's not even a problem. It's a great thing to have. But it also takes me away from other gaming. Right. Uh, the good thing is, like, while I'm playing Sea of Thieves, I'm never thinking about other games. But while I'm playing other games, I'm always thinking about Sea of Thieves. <laughs> so, like, I think I have my priorities straight there because right. I feel like I should play what I want to play. But also, something's got to give soon. I got to play <laughs> some other games. So, All right, boys. Any closing comments before we head out? Tip the wait staff. Tip the wait staff. The uh, like. I'm sorry, Ben was pretty popular in the Discord this week. So yeah, keep that going. Oh, that was yeah, yeah, that's true. Thank you for starting that. Continue that. to apologize to Ben as needed. Yep. Um, in the Discord. Yep. Thank you in advance. It's funny. Somebody piped up and said, "I'm I want to apologize to Ben, uh, for not listening to as much content as I should," and it was someone that I didn't even know still listened to the show, who clearly listened last week. Love so love, love to see it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. I don't want to call them out specifically, but uh, again, join that discord, head over on there to uh, handsomefandom.com slash discord. You can join the discord and hang out with all of us cool cats. And also if you want to support the show dollar a month, 25 ish cents an episode, we think it's worth your time for ad free early access, but Hey, maybe you don't and you just will listen for free and that's totally fine too. We appreciate you listening and we hope you have a great week. Get some, play some games that aren't sea of thieves. Even though I think you should, unless you've never played Sea Thieves, then you should. <laughs> let's just stop. We'll see you later. See ya. The HP Podcast and Handsome Phantom is supported by our proud patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Htrons, Maurice Bays, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Fusebro, Boots, Hoot, Jared, Josh Cummings, Edward Walton, Charles Peterson, Toby Ryland, Straw Hat Ninja, Jared Cavaliero, and Jason Cannon.